Hello, everybody, and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. I'm your host, Alex Mozinski, and today I'm joined by co-host Julia. How are you? Good, Alex. How are you? Pretty good. Good. You sound so, so irritated. No, I'm <laughs> good, not. I'm you? just, uh, my intonation is very inquisitive. I'm very excited to interview our guest and just love answering questions. Excited so, to be here? Yeah. I'm excited to be here too. Exactly. On this beautiful Tuesday evening with our guest, Andrew Hanna. How are you today, Andrew? Good. How are you doing today? I'm great. Good. Even better now because we got you. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, so Andrew is a first-year master's student in kinesiology. So we were just saying, kin for the win. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. I'm actually doing my master's house in, in, house, in house studies. Darn it. I Undergrad was that. in. No, no worries. Undergrad was in kin for the yeah. win. Master's in health sciences. Health studies. Not sure what rhymes with that. Wealth buddies. Can we be wealth buddies? Sure. Or? I mean, if that's if that's what we're going with, we can okay. do that. Let's health go with is that. wealth. Health is oh, you're just oh, amazing. Man. That, was, that was so good. Wow, oh, that was amazing. Okay, so all joking aside, exercise is very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, so serious. I. Hey, I'm very serious about my exercise. I'm wearing running shoes right now. You I should. Like to, I like you to are. Wow. Yeah, you you're just in it to win it for sure. <laughs> can really win. In it to win it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a punny one. Is oh, man. I love puns. Okay. Anyway. Well, let's let's All right. So uh, the focus of your, of your research right now is really, um, the, I guess the theme would be exercise is medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so exercise is medicine. Um, we often, you know, associate medicine with you know the traditional sense of the word, pharmaceuticals, drugs, pills, things like that. But um, we know that there are many interventions that actually work um, to treat different chronic diseases. One of them, um, and actually that treats a lot of chronic diseases, is exercise. Um, unfortunately, the blanket term of that is exercise kind of gets like shoved under, you know, in clinical practice, like under the umbrella of good health. You know, you're supposed to eat well don't smoke, don't drink, and exercise. But, you know, what does that kind of mean to the uh, patient that's hearing that? Um, So that's kind of where we're starting to see the the troubles, where it's like, you know, you come in, we can tell you, hey, you have high blood pressure, and I can give you medication A, or I can give you exercise B. Well, most people are going to go, hey, I'd rather the pill. I don't really want to exercise. That's that's not as fun. It's not as easy. Um, Unfortunately, we do know that sometimes in certain chronic conditions, we actually can treat the disease more efficiently, better, and again, it's going to attack more uh, symptoms than just the one pill one. Wow. So yeah, that's why we're very passionate about it. Um, there's a lot of people kind of making a little big buzz about it, just saying, you know, it's about time in clinical practice that the doctors start prescribing exercise because we know it's good. You know, we don't have to convince people anymore. You know, social media has made it very clear that, you know, we should be exercising, we should stay active, we should take care of ourselves uh, in that manner. So to what extent should a person be exercising then? Because I would I'd imagine you could overexercise and that would almost be considered, quote unquote, like a side effect yeah. of, of exercise. If you, if you do it too much, you might be able to hurt yourself. So so what would, I guess it would depend on the person, right? Yeah, I mean, a big part of it does depend on the person. For, the, for what we're going for, just for what we're trying to tell people, um, the uh, Health Canada basically requires 150 minutes uh, per week of uh, physical, moderate to physical uh, vigorous, moderate to fi- uh, vigorous, sorry, physical activity. Um, what that actually means is only two. It's about two and a half hours of actual movement, which isn't that much. Wow. Uh, when you really in think of week? in one week. Yeah. The crazy part about it, though, you'd be surprised how many people don't make 
that cut. Obviously, we know there there is a dose relationship with the benefits of exercise. Unfortunately, the more you do exercise to a certain extent, like you said, with overtraining, um, you will get more health benefits. So you know, if, you know, if you're going for longer runs, you're exercising between eight to nine hours a week. That's a lot. Again, you are going to see more health benefits. Again, it varies between people, um, different fitness levels, different fitness goals, things like that. Um, but we're we're strictly using it for medicine. You know, we're trying to tell people, you know, if you get that 150. Um, minutes of activity a week, you are going to see that benefit um, in terms of avoiding certain diseases. Interesting. And so would you rank certain types of exercises as being more beneficial than others? Or, you know, is it a wide range of running or, you know, weights or yoga or hockey? Like, It's, again, it's just a combination almost of all of it. Like, whatever you can find that you can consistently do um, to stay active. Um, I mean, any, any modality will, will, will do, right? So if, you know, you want to rock climb, you know, we know that's a great way to, you know, use your muscles to really, it's a, it's a hard workout. You know, some people, you know, another big one, uh, like a lot of people like underestimate, especially like I would say males is yoga. Like you're doing yoga three, four times a week. You're, you're dealt, like you're toast. Like that's, that's a hard workout. I mean, I've done yoga before and I know it's like you get in there and, you know, you, you think it's going to just be easy stretching and you're a pool of sweat within like a little bit. Yes. So again, preach, it's preach. consistency is that's all we're going for. Any mode, any kind of sort of physical activity that's, you know, ranking up your or increasing your heart rate. That's what we're going for. Okay. So... So we're talking about um, the benefits of, of like prescribing medicine, basically, um, and that we have seen benefits when this is done. Are there any places that this is done right now, currently? Across the world, certain um, like healthcare's have like they focus on preventative medicine. So actually, Cuba is one of the like a big leader of that just because again the limited resources and funding, they really do focus on just preventing the diseases, and that's where we do see. Um, like the benefits of what we call spontaneous physical activity. Um, and Europe is also really known for that. They walk a lot. There's a lot of bike riding, things like that. Um, and we know that that spontaneous physical activity is actually a lot more beneficial than even what we call the active couch potato. The person who goes to the gym, you know, one hour a day mm -hmm. and then spends the rest of the day sitting down. Well, we know that's just as bad as, you know, sedentary behavior. It's not mm -hmm. really, it's not just something you check off. It's trying to be active throughout your day as well. Um, walking is a big one. A lot of people really underestimate how good walking actually is for you. It's a slow, steady state uh, form of exercise that's burning purely fat. So incredibly efficient. Um, you know, and that's and that's really what we're trying to get at. Again, is just try to tell people get out there, be active, stay active, find a way to do it, um, incorporate it in your day, um, because we know it is good for you. Okay. So, then I had a question and I, I, it just escaped me. I have one right. in the back of my mind. So it sounds like you use the example of um, health markers associated with obesity, but I'm wondering, have you come across any research that talks about psychological problems or um, psychological illnesses that are helped with physical exercise and activity? Uh, absolutely, actually. Um, so there's 26 chronic conditions that are known to respond to exercise, and that's a lot. That is a lot. Uh, that's a lot more than most people expect. And again, it does go outside of that realm of just obesity-related um, diseases like uh, high blood pressure, diabetes. It actually extends into that mental health realm that you're saying a big one. And I, this is like one of my personal interests is depression. Mm -hmm. um, a guy named uh, Irving Krish in 2008. Uh, he did this meta-analysis on antidepressants um, and found that 75% of the improvement um, in the drug groups also occurred in the placebo group. 
and we know that that's a big one. Um, he he was heavily criticized for this publication as uh, meta analysis. You know, there, there's a trustworthy factor associated with it, but then it was reproduced, and we we found the same thing. He later did another. Um, uh, study using the Freedom of Information Act to get all uh, studies published by the FDA um, on six major antidepressant medications. And he found that only 43% of the trials actually made a clinical significance uh, over the placebo. Um, and this is quite disturbing, actually, because when you think about it, why these medications get pumped so much is because the FDA only requires two uh, studies that proves that the medication works. And it will get it'll gain approval status, which that's kind of, it's kind of a, a little bit shocking. Um, the the problem is is that they also don't tell you how many studies were done before that result. So if we know let's say a thousand studies were done that said it didn't work, but two did, it will still get approval status. Um, on the other hand, we know that aerobic exercise is actually very 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 good for treating moderate to mild depression, um, which is what the majority of the population has. Um, very, very few people are what we know as like severely depressed that do really require heavy medication and therapy to, to overcome. In fact, we see uh, across the board that things like jogging, running, um, you know, typically associated with what we call the runner's high, actually does have a substantial improvement on our mental capacity. That also extends beyond depression. That goes into things like schizophrenia, we see a benefit. Um, we see dementia, there's a benefit. Multiple sclerosis, we see a benefit. Um, so diseases that we may not typically associate with um, exercise, we do see that benefit. Uh, Parkinson's disease is actually another big one too. Really? Um, yeah, actually boxing was found to improve uh, yeah, symptoms associated with Parkinson's disease. And it's actually crazy, the report and the feedback that people are coming back with. Obviously, we're not getting people with Parkinson's disease to fight each other, yeah. but they are training um, oh as gosh. if they were. And you'd be surprised. I mean, you'd get a patient comes in and, you know, they're quite... Um, like the more, uh, motions are very hard for them. Um, they can't really keep a steady hand. Once we engage them in that type of like, like physical, like very vigorous actually activity, we see that their improvements are going like they're well. The development of the drug, the onset of like the symptoms, gets reduced. Um, and again, you know, these are patients who are getting pumped with medications, trying to fix it. Exercise might provide a, another treatment that could help. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not going to hurt. I I think to to supplement any any and all. Um, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, I don't say pill-based, but medication-based therapies that we do have uh, with exercise as well, because like there, I think the evidence that exercise is going to be universally helpful is undoubtable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it probably shouldn't. Tr- uh, people shouldn't stop taking their their meds uh, and, and <laughs> just going for a jog every day. <laughs> um, uh, so don't do that if, no. if you're listening. But uh, but you know by, by supplementing any anything and everything that that your doctor gives you with with exercise, I think is definitely uh, a, a benefit to everybody. And uh, it just in terms of in terms of Parkinson's, so I, I'm a neuroscientist, um, and it makes a lot of sense to me actually. So if, if we were to to step away from from just purely thinking of it as as boxing and getting the heart rate up there, but like just in terms of neuroplasticity. I mean, you're talking about complex coordination uh, and movements yeah. that have to be done, especially with something like boxing training. So, so um, you know, every time you're learning a series of punches and things, um, you're actually forcing a remapping of, of neural connectivity in your brain. So it's actually really helpful. And it can almost, 
um, mitigate the effects of, of, a, of your tremor because you're, you're forcing more brain areas to come in and, and help prevent it. Yeah. So it's actually really cool. If, if you actually <laughs> want to, CBC did um, a really good coverage on that, um, and they do discuss how like the benefits of it is just it's such a, like a coordinating, demanding task. And for some reason, whatever reason, boxing kind of brings out some sort of like you know really aggressive primalistic. So we are seeing that they are really going above and beyond you know the normal exertion level, especially for a patient um, with with a disease as debilitating as Parkinson's. Yeah. So the next question. Uh, so we talked a little bit about you know baseline levels of activity, but how can a person get active? It can seem like an overwhelming thing to do when you're when you're as busy as, as we might get as grad students, or you're you know a, a parent with a bunch of children at home. And you know, how can you remain active? You may not have time to get out to the gym or, or go for a long walk by yourself. So what what are some strategies or types of exercise that you would suggest a person could get into to help benefit themselves? So um, I believe it was Dr. Mike Evans who, who coined this term. It's called the hardest 23, and it's making that 23 hours of the day outside of that one hour that you're supposed to in the gym physically active or harder. So something as small as parking at the end of a parking lot, getting outside of the bus earlier, never taking the elevator. So you know if you got to go up and down five stairs every day or five flights of stairs every day, you're gonna get, you know that's like more than most people would. You know, and I think it's really funny that we live in a society where we're gonna drive to the gym, take the elevator to the gym to get on the stairmaster. Where it's like, where was the logic in that? That's you know? so true. And that's and that's really kind of I, I don't know how else to call it. It's kind of like a big I mean, when you look at fitness today with Instagram and social media, it's it's really diluted in what we're trying to tell people. You know, there's yeah. supplements that they're trying to sell. There's obviously, you know, Photoshop going on. Um, a lot of these people also do not are not the poster of what health actually is. A lot of yeah. these people are actually what we consider unhealthy. They may even be physically healthy, but you know we know that health is a spectrum. You know, there's a social health, there's a mental health. And I mean, again, we're not trying to tell people, you know, you got to get out there at four or five percent, full ripped abs, Zac Efron, you know, yeah. body. We're telling you just, you know, stay active, find ways to just in increase that small little bit. You know, if if you got to get off the bus just one stop earlier every day, and you got to walk or walk to campus, you're gonna see this benefit in your all, all symptoms associated with uh, the benefits of exercise. Wow, so how significant would you say the role of nutrition plays into this? In what nutrition plays, a, I would say, a very big role. Unfortunately, that's another that's another aspect that we, we really do need to focus on as well. Um, you know, people are eating way too much fat, um, really uncoordinated macronutrients, so we have, we're heavy carb intake. Um, again, we know that this is associated with weight gain. Um, Nutrition, again, can be a little bit even an, like an easier outlet to focus on if you're increasing your physical activity. So if we're trying to find an easy route to tell people, simply increase your physical activity to a certain point and reduce, let's say, you know, your junk food consumption that you obviously know is bad for you. Mm -hmm. But again, that kind of increase in physical activity or trying to make your day a little bit harder, you will kind of see that benefit in terms of, yeah, you can go out and have that piece of cheesecake. Yeah, you can go have that glass of wine at night without kind of having the conscious thing. having the shame or whatever is <laughs> associated <laughs> that makes a lot of sense would you say that it's more important to be physically active or more important to eat healthy or are they both go hand this is in a hand? big discussion this is a big like, debate like nature versus one. nurture isn't yeah. it so there's there's a common misconception i would say amongst like the bodybuilding community where it's like the 70 percent in the kitchen 30 percent in the gym it's not. It's what well, we know that both plays a different role. Um, it's, it really depends on like it's a big individual thing. Certain people are carb sensitive. Certain True. people are not. 
Um, it, it just really depends on, on you as an individual. Um, just eat healthy. It's, it's honestly, sometimes we, we complicate even that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at what eating healthy is, it's just you can kind of, you, you know if it's healthier. Yeah. Like I, I used to tell uh, some of my clients back when I was a personal trainer was, it's the 5 out of 10 rule. If it tastes better than a 5 out of 10, you probably shouldn't eat it. it being 10 being like a Cinnabon. Yeah. And then 1 being like kale. Oh and you know, God. like if it tastes if it tastes better than a five, you know, it's it's probably not that healthy. But again, oh, no. we're te- we're telling you to increase your physical activity. So you know, at times when you need to, uh, to you know, enjoy something on the on the ten side of tasty, we uh, you know you'll get that benefit. You're allowed to do it. That's great. We say anything that you eat that's a ten is for your mental health, which is fine. That's so true. You know what I mean? Like, Cinnabon yeah. definitely does have that mental health goodness for you, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's good for the soul. That's what, <laughs> that's what it is, for sure. For it sure. the soul. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so... So in terms of eating better and getting more active, so we were talking a little bit before we started recording about activity trackers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of them come with apps that, that pair with, you know, eat right apps and you record what you're eating and everything like that. Uh, to what extent do you think that would help a person uh, get off the couch a little bit more? Um, does it help provide incentive to be more active or is it kind of just, you know, a new toy it lasts a couple of weeks and then kind of falls by the wayside, or is it really a tool that people can and will use? Um, I personally, actually, I've got a Fitbit and I, I found it amazing. Um, I really like it. I just, unfortunately, I really like wearing watches too, so I stopped <laughs> kind of being as dedicated to it. But I think they're they're phenomenal. They really quantify how much people are moving, and it's a, it's just an easy way to just immediately to tell a person, you know, if you got to make this many steps in a day, you you have to move, you have to exercise, you have to find a way to figure that out. The combination with the nutrition as well, that's an easy avenue, you know, to teach people as well, right? You know, some people don't know how nutrition works. These apps uh, really do allow you to kind of find a way to fit that whole healthy lifestyle into your life. Um, the Canadian Obesity Network, uh, something I, I work with here at uh, Western University uh, for our chapter, we did a pedometer challenge, and you would be surprised some of the numbers we got. I mean, we got people who were just, you know, it's almost impressive. Sleepwalking. Yeah, it's almost impressive how little they move in, in a week. I mean, Oh, how they little. don't how, move. Yeah. Oh, I oh, thought yeah. you were going to oh, say they're so motivated, wanted to win or something. Unfortunately not. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, like we had some some skyrocket numbers, which obviously is very, very encouraging. But I was I was shocked. I mean, I was recording a few of the numbers, and I was like, I mean, outside of going to the bathroom in the kitchen in an apartment, are you doing anything else? Like, I don't uh, know what else to say. Like, yeah. and, and that's and that sedentary behavior is is really what a lot of people are trying to combat. Like it is, it's, it's just as easy to say to tell someone, you know, you need to get active, you know, in the 150 minutes. But that sedentary behavior, that sedentary life that we do live, is really detrimental. Like a lot of people say, I don't know if it's as dramatic, but sitting is the new smoking. I yeah, I've you might that. hear, yeah, you might hear that around and. You know, it, it's a little bit dramatic. I, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're sitting down and smoking a cigarette, like one of them is definitely not as bad for you. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it is bad. We do see when, when this many health problems occur just simply because you're sedentary, then what's the then what's, what do we got to do here? We definitely have to change that. Yeah. So we only have a little bit of time left, but, but I kind of wanted to, to kind of bring this all together, actually. So um, a while back... I know there was, there was a new legal precedent set out west, and and apparently now you can actually use an activity tracker like a Fitbit um, as evidence 
in, in court, um, a physician can use that and, and say, okay, you, you had this accident, and based on the activity level that you're showing, um, you, you are showing less activity than a person of your, your age uh, and job and everything um, would normally do. So that's pretty cool. But that kind of brings the doctor into um, the use of these activity trackers. So to, to bring activity trackers and nutrition and you know exercise as medicine all together, um, do you think that, that medical education is currently lacking in, in its use of, of these kind of avenues to, to perpetuate patient health? Um, and, and are doctors being trained and, and kept up to date on new technologies that are being involved? Or is it kind of more of a personal choice for them right now? And what do you think it should become? Well, we, we know that there are very few doctors that feel that they were adequately trained during their degree to, get, uh, to prescribe exercise. Um, unfortunately, we also know that physicians' own adherence to physical activity heavily influences how they prescribe exercise. Um, so a big thing, a few, I know a few uh, colleagues that I ran into um, and peers that they're trying to actually increase physician physical activity because we know if they're going to get active, they'll prescribe it. We know there's a huge deficit um, in the amount of uh, training that these physicians are given. Um, and that's kind of what my research is focusing on. We're doing an environmental scan of um, the medical school curriculums to see you know, how much time is allocated for prescribing exercise. Um, unfortunately, you know, when you're trying to tell medical schools to change something in their curriculum, they're already packed, they're already swamped. However, why we still emphasize it, you know, 26 chronic conditions, that's enough. That's enough that, you know, this should be warranted yeah, to be taught. Sure. A lot of these diseases too, I mean, you look at it, like even, even the ones that, you know, a lot of people have, like high blood pressure. Well, we can knock out high blood pressure, you know, dyslipidemia, we can knock out all that just simply by prescribing exercise. And if we can use something like a physical activity tracker, like a Fitbit and things like that, those other uh, new modalities and technology, and it kind of can encourage people, which we know people enjoy using it, right? We know that these things really quantify what you're doing. Um, and that's really, the, I would say, a very great avenue. And I, unfortunately, it is, is not being pursued to the level that we'd like. But hopefully one day In the future, can. be hopeful. Mm -hmm. yeah. I really do hope so, honestly. I feel like if we, if we got more people active and... You know, even in university, like I, I was in Ken, we'd be sitting down and, and a prof would be like, you know, if you sit down for over an hour, this and this and this and this and this is going to happen to you. And then he taught a three-hour lecture oh where we, didn't, we got like one break. So tell me the irony of that. Tell me how yeah. it doesn't get more ironic. It's just not practical or realistic to not sit or something. You know, the big one too, you know, why they tell you even increase your water intake. If you're going breaking that cycle um, every hour, get up and move. That's yeah. it. Just stand up. Two minutes of standing up in between every hour is enough to try to break that sedentary cycle. So that that's another great way to, to kind of stay active as well. Okay. Sounds good. Well, that was enlightening, and I hope that you know everybody's future entails a little bit more exercise, getting up and getting some water every hour. Um, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, Andrew. Um, thanks. It's been a been a it's been a pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. And everybody, thank you for listening. See you next Tuesday. Bye. That's all we got for this week. If you like this episode, share it with someone. Check us all out on Twitter and Facebook. Both you can find through Gradcast Radio. You can go to our website to see more episodes at gradcastradio.ca. And if you want to come on the show and talk about your own research, great line for your CV, go to gradcastradio at gmail.com. The theme is Happy Boy by Kevin McLeod, and we will see you guys next time.